Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, and he is Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Hope everybody enjoyed their Memorial Day weekend. Wes, a bit of Packers news here since the last time we spoke, and I'm talking about the signing of a veteran tight end in Mercedes Lewis. Veteran player, a lot of years for the Jacksonville Jaguars, now in Green Bay. What are your initial thoughts on this addition to the tight end group? Well, here's the the two thoughts I have on this. One is more from a broader perspective. Uh, The Packers, historically, when Ted Thompson was running the personnel department, they would bring guys in for visits. Uh, But the one thing I've noticed this offseason in particular with Brian Gutekunst is if a guy's coming in for a visit, it's serious. Mm -hmm. Um, Muhammad Wilkerson visits, signs, after about another week. Uh, Lewis comes in for visits, signs. Um, And if you look at and you break it down and really look at the, the whole picture of this thing, Lewis gives them a dimension that they were missing at that tight end position. You know, he was a former Pro Bowler uh, seven, eight years ago. He's had some some fine receiving seasons, but his bread and butter in a lot of ways has been as a blocker. The Packers toyed around with this idea of really having a blocking tight end in 2013 with Matthew Mulligan. Right. Not nearly as accomplished as Lewis ended up not making the roster. But other than that, they've really just been trying to make the guys they have into blockers. I think Lewis gives them uh, a guy that is bona fide at that position and, and really – I mean, you look at in terms of all these guys' accomplishments with Lance Kendricks figured in there as well, uh, definitely the most decorated group of tight ends the Packers have probably had going back to the late 90s. Yeah, I agree with you. And the when I look at Lewis, I do believe that his blocking is his forte, and that is what he's going to bring first and foremost to this team. But you also can't ignore the fact that uh, last season, even though he had only, was it 25 receptions? Five of those, if I'm not mistaken, were for touchdowns. Right, correct. That's that's an interesting percentage, I guess. When you look at the statistics, you say, okay, well, maybe he doesn't have the the big time downfield threat. You know, the Packers have that in Jimmy Graham. Right. They don't necessarily need another one. He's not the big time downfield threat. Maybe he was earlier in his career, but those numbers from last year tell you that in the red zone, he can still be a tough matchup. And he could catch the ball. I mean, you saw a lot of the the film that the Packers have, and I think we even put up the top ten plays he had in 2017 on our website. Yeah, uh, he still made a lot of plays. And the th- other thing is too is there were some questions because he'd been on injured reserve twice in the last four years, going into 2017, and whether or not the durability was starting to wane. He started all 16 games for the J. Jaguars last year and then obviously into the playoffs as well as they got on their run I think he played somewhere around like I think it was like seven or eight hundred offensive snaps so he's more than capable of handling that kind of workload but he's also at the point in his career having just turned 34 a week ago that you know he can fit a potential niche as well and if he that means he isn't playing you know a hot you know 500 600 snaps I think he's going to be okay with that. So adding him into the mix of that position, like I said, I think it just gives them a, a, a tr- more traditional inline tight end, uh, but also allows Jimmy Graham to to really be free to do whatever they want with them. It just keeps those two tight end packages uh, alive and well in this offense and, and really being able to maximize those three veterans. Yeah, I got a question in our Insider Inbox column. Somebody asked, so does this signing improve the Packers' running game more or the passing game more? And this is how I answered it. I think because of the the blocking prowess and just the experience that Lewis has, I think on the surface this helps the Packers' running game more. You've got a blocking tight end. If you want to line up and say, here we come, you've got that option. But at the same time, 
if you're improving the running game, you're improving the passing game. You're helping Aaron Rodgers because if this team can run the ball consistently, Aaron Rodgers becomes that much more dangerous a quarterback because of how defenses have to respect the run. So if you can improve the running game, you are improving the passing game. Whether or not Lewis catches 20 or 40 or 50 passes this year, that's almost irrelevant in some senses. Yeah, and as one of the things I pointed out too, I mean, I think the impact he could potentially have, assuming he still has something left, you know, he's going to have to make this roster too. Yeah. But uh, if he does, I think his impact is going to be seen more on the whole than just an individual stat box. Uh, the thing that was very interesting about last year with Martellus Bennett, and I know a lot of things went south there, but he is. he w- He's the best blocker the Packers have had going back to Bubba Franks. And you could see the impact he made on those games, uh, you know, where Aaron Jones was able to get his first 100-yard performance and, and how that really was important to being able to establish that uh, early on in the season. We'll see how Lewis matches up in that regard, but certainly when you look at Ty Montgomery and and Jones and Jamal Williams all coming back, all underneath 25 years old, all really unique in terms of their skill sets, they will really benefit from a guy that brings that experience. And and to take this one step further, because I know some people have asked, well, what does this mean for the other tight ends, the younger tight ends on this roster? Mike McCarthy said it going back to the owners' meetings. The Packers, if he had his druthers and the Packers had what they want, they would love to have four or five tight ends on this roster because of what that position lends itself to on special teams. So by no means does this disqualify Emmanuel Byrd or Robert Tunyon or, or some of these undrafted rookies trying to make this roster. They still have a very good opportunity. It's just the Packers now are going to take a look at an accomplished tight end and see what he brings to the table as a blocker. Yeah, a guy like Lewis certainly had an impact on the career of Maurice Jones-Drew on the early success of a guy like Leonard Fournette in Jacksonville. So it'll be Taylor. interesting to see. Yeah, Fred Taylor back earlier yeah. in Lewis's career as well. So with that, we've got to go to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkowitz in that one. Wes, you brought up his name in the opening segment, Muhammad Wilkerson, the, uh, I guess, more highly touted free agent signing the Packers had, this one coming on the defensive side and with the defensive line. And we've talked about it. This was really a signal in my mind that when you already have Kenny Clark and Mike Daniels and -and up-and-coming type of players like Dean Lowry and Montrevious Adams on that unit, You add a veteran guy like Wilkerson, two double-digit sack seasons in his career, has a Pro Bowl on his resume, you're sending the signal that the defensive line is the foundation of this new defense under Mike Pettin. Do you get that same impression? Absolutely, Mike, because here's the thing. The Packers' strength defensively is their defensive line. It was that way before Muhammad Wilkerson signed, and it certainly reemphasized that after he did sign with the Packers. And I think listening to him speak, both when he talked to the media last week but also when he did the Q&A with the Packers' Twitter account, um, the reasons for him coming back, it really was twofold. It was Aaron Rodgers, which, you know, we often hear. We heard it from Ricky Jean-Francois last year. Yeah. But it's also uh, really being able to be the tipping point for this defensive line and, and maybe giving them that veteran presence that not only, they you know, they've had veterans in the past, but a guy that can make an impact. Uh, this is the biggest thing, and it's the biggest question I've had all offseason. Again, I don't think we're going to get answers for it completely until we see week one how these guys are utilized, but 
Wilkerson has a wealth of football behind him. He's been incredibly durable throughout the course of his career. And the fact that he was able to make the impact he did during his first two seasons with Mike Pettin in New York, that third season is where he truly broke out and became an all-pro type player. But how productive he was for being an end-of-the-first-round pick in 2011 and and then what he did in 2012 – I mean, he was a guy getting five, six sack seasons, and you don't always see that for defensive linemen in this league, being able to step in there. There's been a couple along the way that they're just impactful, high-round players that can do it, but I think Wilkerson and, and how easily he was able to get involved and immerse himself in that defense, not only does that speak well for him now coming back into Petten's defense, but I think it also says something, too, about the scheme that Petten runs and how young players can come in and thrive immediately. Yeah, and he downplayed a little bit uh, the whole notion of him sort of teaching everybody on the defensive line, you know, everything about Mike Pettin's defense. He he even admitted, hey, you know, it's been a few years. There's some things that I've yeah. got to, you know, brush Five up years. on here and and uh, and catch up on because some, you know, things change and evolve over time in this league. But at the same time, then you hear from a guy like Kenny Clark who really pointed out, you know, it's not so much, you know, Muhammad Wilkerson showing like the X's and O's in the meeting room or something like that. It's more when they're on the practice field in a sense like, hey, you know, on this certain type of rush package, like this is the angle, you know, that you take or this is how you take on the double team. It's those little things that aren't necessarily written in the playbook. They're not spelled out. But when you get out on the field and a guy like Wilkerson has played for Mike Pettin, then he can he can just pass along those little tips like, hey, this is what he's looking for. Right. This is how he wants this to look in action. And I think the players are going to benefit from that. Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And, and the thing is, too, that you, know, you look at the Kenny Clarks of the world, a guy now 22 going into 23 years old, um, young as can be, but yet still found success in his second NFL season. It's going to be interesting to see what exactly Petten thinks of these guys because as we talked about on last week's show, first time Clay Matthews is going to be playing in a defense that isn't Dom Capers. For the most part, with a couple exceptions here and there, the Capers is the only DC a lot of these guys have known. Petten's going to come in, and as I wrote an insider inbox on, on Tuesday, with a fresh pair of eyes to, to kind of look at this thing and determine, okay, who can be our playmakers? How do we build this defense? And how do we get the most out of this collective whole? And to me, again, this is just looking at the board as it stands right now, it appears as if defensive line is where they're going to have the starting point when you have Mike Daniels coming off his first Pro Bowl, the history and lineage of what Muhammad Wilkerson's done in this league. And Kenny Clark, at 22 years old, being able to have the performance he did late last season, throw in Dean Lowry, maybe Montrevious Adams taking another step. They added some more defensive linemen through the draft and undrafted free agency. It is a complete group. And trying to find the best ways to get the most out of that is going to be probably the biggest task that Petten has, you know, going into this training camp. Yeah, and when you look at something that uh, Wilkerson has in common, he's from New Jersey, where Mike Daniels is also from New Jersey. But interestingly, two very, very different personalities (laughs) here in terms of, uh, you know, Mike Daniels being very very loud, very outspoken, not shy at all. Not saying Muhammad Wilkerson's a shy guy, but just, as I said before, very understated, a little bit more low-key. I think he's fine with with yeah. Mike Daniels being the uh, the vocal leader of the group. And what I really like about the Wilkerson signing, because you've heard me talk about this before, I write about it in Insider Inbox all the time, never underestimate a motivated professional athlete. Right. Muhammad Wilkerson is motivated. He he was released in the middle of a large big money contract. He now he's with the Packers, he's still got 
believes he's still got plenty of tread left on the tires, so to speak. He's he's looking to revive his career here. He's looking to to make a statement, whether then his future is in Green Bay or somewhere else. He's a motivated player, and I kind of like throwing that into the mix here with a new defense. Yeah, and it's been a long time since he's been in the playoffs too. So, mm-hmm. I mean, trying to, uh, you know, after getting that little bit of taste of success the first few years with Rex Ryan and Pettin, now trying to, you know, get back on that winning ways. It's it's going to be something that I think when you look at the opportunity now in front of you in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback, if you hold up your end of the bargain, at the end of the day, good things are going to happen. You're going to have a chance with yeah. that. We'll go to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford right here, Wes Hodkowitz, all the way over there. Wes, continuing our discussion of the Packers' defense, Mike Pettin's defense, what he's bringing. We heard from Clay Matthews last week during the uh, the first open practice of OTAs, and Matthews touched on a lot of different subjects here and there, as he often does when he stands at his locker, fields questions from all angles from the media. One of the key things that I took away from his words and I wrote about this on our website I think he he really believes that one of the the driving forces so to speak behind this Mike Pettin defense is going to be unpredictability right it's going to be about not necessarily the the opposing offense opposing offensive coordinator opposing quarterback knowing quite for sure what you're going to be running in certain down and distance situations in certain spots on the field, red zone, short yardage, whatever that might be. There's going to be an element of unpredictability here, and I'm really curious to see exactly how it's going to play out. I want to just quickly bring up the Mike uh, Zimmer defense for a moment. Um, and again, I'm not trying to sit here and be like, okay, that's the standard, but but the double A gap blitz scheme that mm-hmm. he always runs. Why is that so effective in this league? Would you care to take that question? I think it's because when those guys mug up there at the at the uh, line of scrimmage on either side of the center, you never know if you don't they're know coming what they're or doing. not. You don't, you don't know. know if they're dropping. You don't know right. if they're sending both. You don't know if they're going to go one. You don't know if they're going to come on a stunt. A lot of different avenues for what you can do. Right. And to be fair to Dom Capers, there was a lot of that in his scheme as well. But I think what happened the last two years in specific, when you had the injuries mount up like they did, and we saw this in 2013 as well, it reduces the amount of unpredictability you can do. And especially with some of the young guys coming in, we talked about the communication issues, some of the problems with guys trying to step up. That was ultimately the downfall of last season. The challenge for Petten here is that he has a lot of pieces on the chessboard here during the offseason with this, with Wilkerson coming in, the, the revamp secondary. But the question is going to be, once you get to week eight and week nine, what are you going to do when somebody goes down, somebody else has to step up? And the thing that I took away from what, both what Matthews has said and both what other players have said this offseason is it's making sure that everybody is ready, whether it's the undrafted rookie, whether it's the accomplished veteran. They need to be in a position to come in there and not have a drop-off, not just at the position, but in terms of the group, the 11 players on the field, you have to be able to keep that chemistry, that fluidity going throughout the defense. So, yeah, with Petten, there is going to be a lot of unpredictability. There is going to be a lot of different looks. And sometimes it's not even just like, okay, we're going to send all 11 guys at the quarterback. It's not like that. Yeah, It's giving them different pre-snap looks that they can't just sit there and identify the mic and identify who's coming on a blitz or where the safety's going to be. It's being multiple. 
that's what Pettin did in New York and had success. It's what he did in Buffalo that one season in 2013 and had success. And it's the system now that he's going to try to bring to Green Bay. Yeah, and as I said, I'm very curious to see how it's going to work out because when you look back when Dom Capers first arrived, 2009, 2010, he was working with a lot of veteran players. Yes. You look at 2010, I know there were injuries. The Packers had guys filling in. But who was filling in for Nick Barnett, and inside linebacker, when he went out with an injury? Desmond Bishop, who had been drafted in 2007. Yes. He was a fourth-year player. Right, exactly. You know, Dom Capers was working with a lot of veteran guys, and that's where you know the acquisition of, of a Muhammad Wilkerson comes in. The Packers have had a lot of young players who are now reaching that latter stage of their career. But... Petten also has to work in there. It's a young cornerback group. There's yep. a lot of young players in the secondary. You know, Blake Martinez, that inside linebacker now into his third year, he, he's getting to that stage where you start to call him more of a veteran player. There's a there's a mix here. And, you know, some of that some of the unpredictability can be based on, you know, OK, how much of the playbook can they absorb? Petten has to find the right balance with his veteran guys and his young guys. How much can how much can they really handle right. so that you don't have the communication issues and other things that can happen during the course of the season when injuries happen and guys are shuffling in and out? And you know what else happens too, Mike? You have Wilkerson coming at the defensive line. You have Tremont Williams re-signed at cornerback. What does that do? It challenges the young guys on the roster to step up, mm-hmm. to elevate their game. You want to start on the boundary? You want to start at that nickel star position? Earn the job. Win the job. Take the job and run with it. Yeah. It's all right there for everybody. And I think for me, I know there's questions at outside linebacker. People are going to talk about that all summer long. But there are so many roles, not just starting jobs, but so many roles up for grabs right now on that defense. Petten's looking for guys to grab that, to take that opportunity and run with it. And it's all out there for you. If you play well, if you step up, you show that you can handle the system and the scheme, you're going to have an opportunity in this defense. Yeah, I agree with you. With that, we're going to go to another break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkowitz. And Wes, before we go today, I want to shift gears back to the offensive side of the ball for a minute. Interestingly, we've talked a lot during this offseason about how players are forgetting about 2017. It was a rough year for a lot of guys involved. Obviously, there's been a lot of change front office-wise, player-wise, coaching-wise since then. But one guy who definitely has a really strong, solid 2017 to look back on is offensive lineman Justin McCray. But interestingly, he's one of the first guys in the locker room who's also going to say, hey, I've got to forget about 2017. I can't rest on anything that I did in the past. I need to look forward. I think it's his recognition that he has an opportunity in front of him. His opportunity right now is a completely different one from – where he was last year at this time, he recognizes it, and he's really going to try to go after it. Well, Mike, and in the last segment, you talked about you know never underestimating a motivated player, and there's two ways to do that. I mean, there is the way that Wilkerson has, you know, where he's had success, he's a two-time All-Pro, trying to show that he's still that guy. Then you look at a guy like McCray, who has been an undrafted, you know, under-the-radar prospect since day one, you know, and and coming into the league in 2014, spending a year with the Titans, getting cut off their practice squad, being out of football for for full two seasons, you know, working as a bellman in Orlando, 
trying to train with his twin brother Jordan, you know, for another opportunity, you know, playing the Arena Football League. This was his last chance last year after he impressed at that UCF Pro Day that the Packers brought him in. He was probably the 88th or 90th guy on the roster <laughs> during the offseason. Yeah. But he gradually worked his way up, and when opportunities presented themselves, he took advantage of those. And he showed in eight-spot starts that he can handle whatever the Packers throw at him, whether it was guard, tackle, even center. So the lesson there for McCray is that nothing's guaranteed. He has to do it all over again to prove not only am I worthy of a spot on the 53, but a guy that legitimately could be considered for that starting right guard job. Yeah, and we've heard some things from Mike McCarthy and from offensive line coach James Campen about McCray's dedication in the offseason to his conditioning. Yeah. He's he. I don't want to say he's rebuilt his body because he had an NFL body, obviously, yeah. to begin with, but he's he's reworked it. He's reconditioned it a little bit. They're not putting any numbers on it in terms of where his weight is or, or the, the body fat percentages, all that kind of stuff that maybe other, other players, other teams make more public. But um, he's shown the dedication that it's going to take to take the next step in his career. I think it's a great sign that a guy who – really came out of nowhere in a sense and made a name for himself in the NFL, he's not satisfied. No. He he realizes there's more out there in front of him, there's more work to do, and he's going to do what it takes. And I think that's where the undrafted thing comes in and him flying underneath the radar and understanding what it's like to be out of this league and trying to earn your way back in it. And, and you know, now the Packers, Jari Evans still a free agent. It looks like the Packers are looking at McCray and some of these internal reserves to fill that spot for the time being. McCray wants to show that you don't need to look no further. Than yeah. What he put on film last year should get be enough, but also putting himself over the top to be in consideration for that job. Yeah, a valuable swing guy at multiple positions, but maybe the starting right guard in yeah. 2018. We'll see. With that, we have to sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time. 